Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we continue our study of the second book of Kings with chapter 14. That is Malachim Bet Perak Yud Dalid. We, in the last chapter, we read of the king Yehoash, the son of Yehoahaz, who was the king of the northern kingdom. Uh, and now, as we've seen the pattern, we go back and forth between the, relating the stories of the kings of the north to the kings of the south and back. Now we're going back to the south again, to the kingdom of Yehuda. And uh, we are going to discuss the life and the um, career of the king Amatsyahu or Amatsya. So, Bishnas Taim, during the second year, Yoash ben Yoachaz, Melech Israel, of the king Yoash, the son of Yoachaz, the king of Israel, of the northern kingdom, Molach reigned the king, Amatsyahu ben Yoash, Melech Yehuda. Amatsyahu, the son of Yoash, the king of Yehuda. So, remember his name, his father's name, Yoash, was also the same as the current king, Yoash of Israel. He was 25 years old when he began his reign. He reigned for 29 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Yeho Adon, and she was from Jerusalem. He did what was proper in the eyes of God. Rak but not as 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 righteous as his forefather David. He did just as his father Yoash did. Now, remember his father Yoash started off as a righteous king and in the end wasn't so righteous anymore and had been assassinated. Um, but the general thrust of his kingdom was a good uh, kingdom was was one of bringing the people back towards God, and so was the kingship of Amatsyahu or Amatsya. In what way was he not as good as King David, his ancestor? Um, he, because he wasn't so faithful to God. Because even though he did not worship idols, but Rakhabamot lo saru, he did not take away the um, the bamot, literally the high places, the the places outside the temple where people would sacrifice. Uh, the people were still giving, uh, bringing sacrifices and incense on these bamot, on these altars. Now, um, the, the presumption, the assumption that the verse is trying to give, give us the impression is that they were still worshiping God, but not all in the temple as they appropriately should have been. Because as we know, as the Torah commands, sacrifices should only be brought in the temple itself. And it was as the kingdom became strong in his hands. Remember, Amatsya was, was, became king in the wake of a conspiracy that had killed his father. So, um, so um, he started in a very tenuous position, you know, uh, where, and, and in addition, the, the, um, the kingdom of Aram had 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 you know attacked Jerusalem prior, so it was a very tenuous time, and his his hold on the kingdom wasn't so strong. But over time, he strengthened his hand and had enough power. Vayachet avadov 
and he had executed the, his servants, those that were responsible for the death, the conspiracy against his father. However, and this is the next verse is going to bring a credit to Amatsya, although very often in those days when one king kills uh, conspirators, they kill their whole family. However, he did not kill the descendants, the families of those that were responsible for the deed, the death of his father. As it is written in the Sefer, in the book of the Torah, the Torah given to Moshe, given to Moses, Asher Tziva Adonai, which the book which was commanded by God himself, Lamer, which states as follows, One does not punish parents for the sins of their children, nor does one punish children for the sins of their parents. It's not justice to do that. You must. Rather, each person should die only on, as a result of his own transgressions. Now, um, so this, so we get the impression of Amatia, someone who is, um, who is now becoming strengthened in his, in his kingdom, and uh, someone who is just. He put to death those responsible for the death of his father, but not their families. And then it states, who he caught, he struck at Edom, the people of Edom, Begay Melach, in the Valley of Salt, Aseret Alafim, 10,000 soldiers, presumably, Vitofas et Asela Bamilchama. And he captured the Sela, literally, it means the rock, or the large rock formation. At war, and he gave it a name, which a very distinct Hebrew um, uh, 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 Judite. Um, sound Yoktael Adayomazet, which is his name until this day. Um, now, the uh, the uh, a couple things here that are important to note. One reason there's uh, we know from extra biblical sources that around this time, the uh, Aram, who was the the chief enemy of the people of Israel, um had been eliminated as a threat, not by Israel, but by the rising power of Assyria. Assyria was beginning to rise and beginning to spread, and Assyria had conquered Aram at around approximately this time, and, um, and thus Aram was neutralized as a threat. And Assyria, at this point, was not yet continuing to threaten further into Israel or Judah, but as we know, in a few chapters from now, we're going to be reading about the ascent of the Assyrian Empire and when the Assyrian Empire then becomes a threat, which is coming down the pike pretty soon, but not yet. So at this point, there's a power vacuum and there's relative peace at the borders, so which gives Amatsya the ability to, to um, turn his, his uh, attention to... Uh, to conquering other kingdoms that were a nuisance to them. So that's why he was able to attack Edom. Now, at this point, we're about to read one of the few places where the northern and southern kingdoms go to war against each other. There's a lot of detail missing here in the Book of Kings, which is filled in, and we've seen this before several times, in the Book of Chronicles. So, for example, this war against Edom originally was was um, Amatia had had put together soldiers from the Judah, Judah's army 
to attack. And in order to bolster his strength, he brought 100,000 soldiers, mercenaries that he hired from the north so that the uh, northern king, Yoash at the time, lent him 100,000 soldiers for a price. Um, uh, in the Chronicles, it is said that, so they would have cooperated together, but uh, in Chronicles, it says that the prophet of God said, no, don't take the north with you, because remember the north, those are idol worshipers. God is not with them. You don't, you don't need them fighting at, at your side. So he dismissed them. The northerners were very angry, and they ended up causing havoc in Judah And when they returned because they were angry that they were spurned away. Now, um, the, um, that sets the stage for what's about to happen. But interestingly here, none of this is mentioned. So we don't know. If one would only read the Book of Kings, and if you don't know that story, then all you know is, is what we're about to read. Oz sholach Amatzia Malachim. In other words, after his victory over Edom, so he's riding high, Amatzia goes ahead and he sends messengers, El Yehoash ben Yehoachaz, ben Yehu Melech Yisrael, right? That's his entire lineage. Remember, he was a descendant of Yehu. This is the house of Yehu. Um, uh, he, uh, the king of Israel, Lamar saying it's fire. Lechon Yisrael Come, let us look each other in the face. Now, this could mean... Um, uh, let's let's meet. Let's be friendly. But it's generally understood by most of the commentaries that let's fight each other. Um, but 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 if you didn't know what I just told you from Chronicles, this would sound very strange. Why would Amatzia go ahead and attack and and suggest that he wanted to attack um, uh, the Northern Kingdom? Like why is he inviting him to a fight? It's just. There's no context given here, but the context is given in the book of Chronicles. So, um, so that's the only way to understand this, you know, why he's, he's, he's angling for a fight. Otherwise, he's, Amat, it, would sa- it would seem like, and it would be another way of understanding it, that Amatia is simply being, um, just being haughty and arrogant. I conquered them, now I'm going to go conquer the northern kingdom. So, which would be a sign of a tremendous amount of... Uh, such animosity between the northern and southern kingdoms that Amatia viewed them as an enemy just as he viewed the Edomites as an enemy, even though a few generations ago they were intermarrying with each other and had peace with each other and were fighting together and making alliances. So, uh, so by leaving out all these details, it, the, this verse becomes very difficult to understand. This is verse 9, Melech Yisrael, the king of Israel, Sent El Amatzio, Melech Yehuda, sent a message back to Amatzio, the king of Yehuda, Lamar saying as follows. He says, starts with a kind of parable. Ha-choach asher balevonon. The, um, the choach, the thorn bush, which is growing in Lebanon, which could be translated as Lebanon, but it means in the, in the forest. Sholach et El Ha'erez sent a message to the cedar tree, asher balevonon, Lamar. So he's, it seems to be uh, comparing the people of Judah, the, country, the nation of Judah, to the thorn bush and himself to, this, to the mighty cedar tree. And the message was, Let's be friends. Give your daughter to me as a wife. But then the chayata sodeh, the wild beast that was in the forest, tore apart the thorn bush. Now, without the background from Chronicles, this, this, this thing doesn't make any sense. Like, if, if Yehoash 
it, like it was his if if Amatia's message to the north was uh, let's fight, then why is the comparison in the parable to let's marry our children together, which is a which is uh, it's an alliance, it's a peaceful alliance. But if one looks at it at, at, with the background given in Chronicles, then it makes more sense because because he's saying um, you guys made a um, you offered to make an alliance, right? But then, right? Then the the Chayas Asadeh went and tore up the thorn bush because his people, the troops that were spurned, went around rampaging in Judah out of their anger and tore up the people of Judah and exposed the weakness of the southern kingdom of Judah. So, and then he continues in verse ten with this parable, saying, "Hakehi kisa es Edom." You just went ahead and struck down Edom and you think you're so great. Your heart is now haughty. You think you're so great. You should have just decided to stay at home, right? Take your honor and stay at home. Why are you pushing the evil? Why are you poking the bear, so to speak? Why are you, why are you trying to push this? You're going to lose. And the people of Judah, of Yehuda with you are all going to lose. So in other words, don't fight me, right? Just rest on your laurels of victory and, and, and sit with that because, um, because if you try to fight with me, I'm, I'm going to take you down. did not listen. In other words, so they did meet in battle. So in other words, Amatsyahu went, instigated the battle, but, you know, brought his forces up north and Yehoash went to meet him uh, um, the two of them met face to face in Beit Shemesh, which is in on Judah's territory. So Amatsyo massed his troops, and the and the northern kingdom, the people of Israel, the kingdom of Israel under the leadership of Yehoash, had already penetrated into Judean territory, and that's where the two armies met. and the people of Yehuda of Judah were struck in front of the people of Israel, so the battle was a decisive victory for Israel, the Isra- Israelite kingdom. And the armies scattered and everyone ran to their homes for protection. And Amatsyo, the king of Yehuda, ben Yehoash ben Achazyo, the one who was the son of Yehoash, not the Yehoash that's currently fighting and leading the people of Israel, but the Yehoash that was the father of the king of Amatsyo, the king of Yehuda, Yehoash, the king of Israel, captured him in Beit Shemesh, where the battle, took, the major battle, took place. And then Yehoash led after he captured the king, he came to Jerusalem, the capital of and he broke through the walls of Jerusalem. In the in the gate of Ephraim to the corner gate. Uh, he broke a hole open 400 amos wide, so that would be somewhere around 600 feet wide hole, um, a huge breach in the wall, and, and then went, of course, and pillaged the city, and he took all of the gold and silver and all of the vessels that were found in the temple of God, and in the temple, in the king's treasury, and the... Um, and the hostages, uh, the question is, um, 
who exactly these hostages are. Presum- maybe these were the hostages that had been taken by um, um, uh, you know the, the king would 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 uh, would would hold the uh, you know princes. Uh, people understood this to mean the princes that were held in the king's house so that the their fathers should not rebel against the king. Remember, this is in a way to prevent a another coup. So, so, so they took these Benayata Aruvos Vayoshov Shomrona and and took them all back to Shomron to Samaria, where the capital of of um, of the Northern Kingdom Israel was. So this was a terrible disaster, and to think that all of this pillaging took place at the hands of the people of Israel is just a, a fearsome, fearsome, awful thought. Um, but this is what happened. This is what this uh, jealousy uh, led to and, and this terrible war between brothers. This terrible, it's hard to call it a civil war because they were two separate kingdoms, but it was a war between the Israelites and the Judites who were uh, brothers, cousins, if not, if not brothers. And all of the other actions of Yehoash, the king of, of Israel, and his, his might, his victories, Vashar Nilcham, and that battle which he had in Amatzio, Malach Yehuda, with Amatzio, the king of Yehuda, Haloim Kisufim, Al Sefer Devreha Yamin Lemachai Israel, they are written in the book of Chronicles for the kings of Israel. So this again is the next, this is the second time we're recording the death of Yehoash. He died, um, uh, and Vayikaver B'Shamron, he was buried in Samaria, in Malchai Yisrael, together with the kings of Israel. Vayimloch Yeravam Beno Tachtov. And Yeravam, his son, became king after him. But now, Vayichi Amatziyahu ben Yehoash Melech Yehuda, Achrei Mos Yehoash ben Yehoachaz Melech Yisrael, Chamesh Esrei Shana. Amatziyahu, the son of Yehoash, the king of Yehuda, the one who had been captured in that battle, he continued on to live after his his captor, Yehoash, had passed on. He continued to live for 15 years. It would seem to indicate that possibly upon the death of Yehoash, he was released, but this isn't clear. This isn't being written in the verses clearly, but that's the impression one would get from this verse, but it's not clearly written. And the remaining words, the, the things that happened, or the things that Amatziyahu had done, Elohim Kusuvim, behold, they are written, Al Sefer Divrei in the book of Chronicles, the Malcha Yehuda of the kings of Yehuda. So the story continued, and it, the impression is given that Amatziyahu continued to reign. Again, here the book of Chronicles fills in some details, which is that Amatziyahu turned to idol worship and worshiped the idols of Edom, the country from which he had crushed in battle um, in, in, at Selah, which we mentioned before. And it seems to be that that arrogance, that arrogance that led him to instigate a battle with the north, that arrogance also led him to idol worship, which, as we've seen so many times, the tie between arrogance and idol worship is such a deep, deep connection. Vayikshul of Kesher B'Yushalayim. And Amatziyahu, after having lost this tremendous battle to the north, of course his prestige is crushed, and now he's also worshiping foreign idols. So again, this leads to another conspiracy. Just as his father, there was a conspiracy. So 
there's a conspiracy against him and he ended up having to run from the capital to, or to try to escape for his life from the conspirators. He ran to another major city, Lachish, a major city in Judah. And they sent a group of people after him to chase him to Lachish and they ended up finding him and killing him there. They carried his body back on horses, and he was buried with his with his ancestors, the other kings of Judah, in the city of David. The people of Israel took Azariah, that's his son of Amatia. Um, he was 16 years old. And they made him king in place of his father, Amatsyo. So the line of the Judean kings continues. Even though they killed Amatsyo, they, they put his son in power, which is similar to how Amatsyo himself came into power. He built the city of Eilat. He returned that city, which apparently had been um, um, uh, by, conquered by another nation. Um, Achare, uh, uh, you know, presumably Edom, the Edomites, Achare Shechav Hamelachim Abosov, he did that after the king, meaning Amatzio, his father, had passed on to, so to speak, rest with his forefathers. So this concludes the career of Amatzio, and we were now introduced to the next king of Yehuda, the next king of Yehuda, Azariah, and sometimes called Azariahu, and after this, we'll conclude here with 14a, and after this, we are going to go back and focus on the next king of Israel, uh, Yeravam Jeroboam, which we'll get to in the next podcast. Thank you so much for studying this together with me. Looking forward to studying the rest of chapter 14 and, of course, the rest of the book of Kings together.